back when I first started this campaign, I figured no one's going to send me shirts. I'm just going to have these nine shirts rotate through every two weeks. And we'll just see how many likes I can get, you know, how much attention. And it is then that people see, oh, this is someone doing something he loves that has never been done before. And I'm then blessed with people sending me shirts from all over the world. Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. This is Mark Graham, and I'm joined by longtime co-host and fellow Promo Kitchen chef, Danny Rosen. Danny is also the co-founder of Operation Smiles Youth Groups, which is where he first met our guest today. In this episode, we explore what happens when you combine the power of the humble t-shirt with a powerful message and fuel it with social media. In our discussion, we feature the story of Timmy Jew, a software developer by day and a volunteer and tireless advocate for the nonprofit Operation Smile by night, and some of the day too, of course. Over two and a half years ago, Timmy set a goal to wear an Operation Smile t-shirt every single day for 1,000 days. The campaign called Wearing a Smile became a volunteer rallying cry, and he met his goal on May 21st after 1,000 straight days. The campaign was built around raising awareness for Operation Smile, a nonprofit devoted to providing life-saving reconstructive cleft surgeries for children in need around the world. Operation Smile has helped 300,000 people worldwide since its formation in 1982. This is a heartwarming story about one modest young person's awareness campaign who set out to do something never before for an important cause. It's also a celebration of the promotional products industry given the power of our medium to build emotional connections with large numbers of people online and off. And so with that, I'd like to welcome Timmy to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Such a great pleasure to be here, Mark. Awesome. Well, we've got such a fascinating conversation scheduled here, and let's jump right into it. So Timmy, can you tell us about Operation Smile and why it matters so much to you? Operation Smile is a global medical nonprofit that mobilizes doctors and other medical volunteers around the world to perform cleft repair surgeries to children around the world who are born with a cleft lip or a cleft palate. And we believe that every child deserves access to safe and effective surgical care. What people might not know is that Operation Smile has a very strong student presence and that there are hundreds of student-run high school and university clubs around the world. And we're just organizing fundraisers, trying to raise awareness, get people excited about the cause, and to really advocate for these children. We live in a pretty complicated world, good things and bad things. And in fact, growing up, I've actually experienced tremendous amount of adversity, emotional pain, and trauma. Then when I learned about Operation Smile for the first time, I went to their annual student leadership conference, which is 500 or so high schoolers from around the world. What I saw was the happiest people I'd ever seen in my entire life. And what really blew my mind was what it was that made them happy. And it wasn't the traditional things that I thought made people happy, wealth or personal gain or otherwise. What made them happy was they spent all of their time and energy 
to organize fundraisers for Operation Smile, even taking immense personal risk to start these clubs and to recruit their friends and really put themselves out there, all for the sake of advocating for and taking care of children in need who may live on the other side of the planet and may never be able to say thank you to these students. And yet, the thing that brings them more joy than I had ever seen in my life was that incredible act of selflessness. And that really just completely turned my entire worldview upside down and imbued it with incredible meaning and wonder, really. And since then, I have come to discover that truly the thing that brings me and I think probably people in general, the most happiness is to be compassionate and to appreciate not just the pain, but also the wins of others. What Operation Smile has done is tap into the incredible hearts that humanity in general has and to mobilize a global family to stand behind this cause of taking care and changing the lives of children in need around the world. And not only is it that the children are benefiting, which is already in its own right a incredible, incredible thing, but the powerful message that this movement is sending is that humanity is compassionate. We have hearts, and this is a wonderful world to live in. And that's why Operation Smile means so much to me. That's some powerful stuff, Timmy. I just have to say, you and I share the beauty that is Operation Smile. When I talk about Operation Smile and what it means to me, I'm hearing your words and I'm saying them inside my own head and my heart. I believe because of Operation Smile, my involvement in it when I was in middle school as a troubled kid who got in a lot of trouble, I had more demerits than anyone in my entire school. I was back every Saturday, wiping down blackboards, getting there late, getting more demerits, getting demerits at detention. It was awful. And Operation Smile found me, I found it. And I always say that if it weren't for Operation Smile, I would not be on the path I'm on right now in my life. And being civic oriented and caring about community and having empathy. And so I think that you and I have been very fortunate to be connected to such a powerful organization. And it's just a call to action for everybody to you know, find a way to connect on a human level to help others in need. And it will, if not helping other people, you're certainly going to help yourself to some extent by giving of yourself. And so I love your story. Mm. Your story, though, took a different path. I always talk about giving and investing in causes. We talk about time, treasure, and talent, or work, wealth, and wisdom in the nonprofit sector. But you really took it upon yourself to do something that was original and I think incredibly inspiring to get on this mission of wearing an Operation Smile t-shirt every single day for a thousand days in a row. We are just blown away by like what that is and why. And we want to hear about the campaign. Where did the idea come from? Why did you choose, you know, one of the most cherished items in the promotional products industry, a t-shirt? Where do the t-shirts come from? Tell us something about this activity. Why and what's going on? Well, thank you, Danny, for sharing your story. 
which again is just a testament to how wonderful Operation Smile is. And also, thank you, Danny, for the overly kind words. That means the world. So this campaign, really, what it is, is just a embodiment of sort of the love that I have for Operation Smile, the cause and the people in it. So I'm well out of college now, but back when I was at Ohio State during my senior year, I'd already been a volunteer of Operation Smile for some time now. I had fallen so deeply in love with the organization that I thought, okay, so for my senior year, what happens if I just only wear Operation Smile shirts every day? And note that at the time, I only had like nine t-shirts. So really, I had about a week and a half's worth (laughs) of shirts. Some shirts I'd have to wear twice before doing laundry every two weeks. And I happily would have cycled through those same nine shirts every day for my senior year. Because a memory comes to mind is the Ohio State Involvement Fair, which is sort of where every club has a booth and the Operation Smile Club there. I was helping to recruit people and talking nonstop about it for five hours straight in the hot sun and talking to hundreds of people. And even though that was one of the most physically draining tasks that I've ever done in my life, it was one of the most emotionally fulfilling and rewarding. I came away afterwards feeling incredibly energized. And that's when I realized, my gosh, I really do love this organization a lot. I'm going to just wear an Operation Smile shirt every day for my senior year of college. And that uh, 260-day campaign, uh, which I was very surprised generated a lot of attention and excitement and hype for this cause. Uh, A few years later, when I went off to graduate school at Cornell, I decided I might restart the campaign again. Uh, But this time, do 1000. Because I realized that all this time, I'd still been wearing the shirts, campaign or not. And so I figure, well, if I'm already wearing the shirts every day anyways, might as well make a campaign out of it. And this time, uh, do it for 1000. Wow. I understand that you're near the very end of your journey. And I know that day 1000 is May 21st of this year. Yeah. So we're recording this podcast just a couple of days before then. So first of all, a huge congratulations for that. That's a tremendous commitment. On behalf of people in the promotional products industry, I'm curious if you can talk about the kind of engagement that you saw throughout this campaign and if there's been any memorable stories that you can share from fans. Yes. What was first immediate was the social media engagement. The moment I made the announcement on Facebook, I got more likes than any of my previous posts. And anytime I would post an update, again, those were far more so the more media attention than any of my other best media posts. And then I said, hey, I only have nine shirts. And so I posted to social media saying, now to all of my Operation Smile friends out there, if you want to uh, (laughs) send me a shirt so I can use it for my campaign, that'd be great. And then literally dozens of people coming out of the woodworks asking me for my 
size and my mailing address and shipping me shirts from all over the world, including as far away as Thailand and Vietnam, Bolivia, Honduras, all over. And it just goes to show that, well, one, the Operation Smile family, it is ever present. But two, is that when you call out for help on a cause that is important and meaningful, people will come together. So that's the social media engagement where typically before the campaign, my best posts might get a few dozen you know, likes. Posts that I make about my t-shirt campaign will get hundreds of likes. So it's incredible engagement on the social media side. On the physical side, what I see is people who know about my campaign, but maybe I haven't spoken to in years, they will come up to me and they will say, oh my gosh, I've seen what you're doing with your campaign. And we have a great conversation about, well, one, we catch up, of course, but then two, we talk about Operation Smile. And and I've had many of these conversations that would have never happened if this campaign wasn't there. So that's sort of the memorable stories. I mean, one comes to mind when, you know, back at Ohio State, when I did the campaign for a year, and I was just sitting around at the student union, and then a friend that I had not seen in three years, two of them, they come up to me, and we strike up this great conversation. And so I think having this, as Danny calls it, a stunt that causes a lot of attention, it then just becomes that bridge and that activation energy to then have these great conversations that would have never happened. That's great. Two thoughts. One is just reinforcing what you said, wearing the shirt. If you are wearing a shirt with a brand that you're proud of or a nonprofit that you're affiliated with or a band that you love, it's the kind of medium that can be a connection point to a conversation that might lead to a friendship or you know a marriage. Mm. or whatever it may be. In this case, maybe a new volunteer, donor, supporter of Operation Smile. It's just a trigger for that, but so much power in what you've done there. And then for you, it seems like a reconnection point for some people, You know, people you haven't seen in a long time. And I love that. And my second point would be that I think you know a lot of people are really down on social media and kids today and you know all of that. And even adults today, gosh, we're awful. And we're trying to figure out the wild, wild west of social media. But at its best, in its finest moment, social media, at least to me, is about giving and connection and helping others and sharing. And so I think there's tremendous value in that and what nonprofits can do with that platform. And those that take the platform and use it for good, keep that up because the balance right now is not very good, unfortunately. I love that you're on the good side of social media. Let's talk a little bit about KPIs and metrics and not to get all businessy here, but let's talk about the goals. You know, what were your goals in the front end, if you had any? And do you feel like you achieved them? And did your goals change along the way? Well, of course, the key goal is the wear shirt for a thousand days and make 1000 posts about it on Instagram, a photo of me wearing this shirt. And so that I'm proud to say on track to meeting that by day 1000. That's coming up in a few days. But sort of the 
social media goals. I mean, I try not to think too much about the metrics, but really rather sort of the spirit of, am I sending a important message? And is that resonating with people? But then, of course, that's sort of like the meaning behind the metrics. And that will lead to the follows, that will lead to the likes, that will lead to the reshares. And I'm fortunate that because of this campaign, I get so many followers now that, again, I would not have been able to have otherwise, who are also excited about Operation Smile. Just, you know, for example, one follower I have from overseas tells me, you know, every time I see your post, I get, you know, filled with so much joy and excitement. And if I'm with friends, I show them the post that you made. It's so cool what you're doing. And so I like to think that with every follow that I get or with every like, you know, there's a little story behind it where I'm able to connect with another person on a pretty intimate level. In that sense, I am pleased and grateful for the social media reach and goals that I've been able to meet for this campaign. Jimmy, I'm curious if you have a favorite shirt out of the nearly 1,000 that you've worn and posted. I mean, they're all like my children. And- I know, I know. It's an unfair question, <laughs> but you know, if, yeah, <laughs> I'm curious yeah. if you could let me know which chapter gets the nod. Certainly. Well, obviously, any shirts that are sent to me as a gift, those, of course, carry generally the most meaning. Mm. And I'm fortunate that actually nearly half of my shirts are gifts. Others I have purchased myself from various Operation Smile conferences or events. But the two that really take the cake are ones that were custom made specifically for me. Back when I was at Ohio State University and sort of nearing the end of my senior year campaign, one of the executive board members at Ohio State Operation Smile Club, he was the vice president, as a graduation gift, custom made a shirt where the front was, you know, the Operation Smile Globe logo, the Ohio State Operation Smile Club name, and then just a few sort of cartoon images representing some of our favorite fundraisers that we've done with our club. And then on the back of the shirt, sort of like a sports jersey with the number one, and then my name at the top there. And that was probably number one. Yeah. A close second, when I was at TAing a computer science class at Cornell, three of the students in that class really appreciated what I was doing. And they made a custom computer science themed Operation Smile shirt for me. And so that's another favorite. Well, I had a chance to take a look at all of your posts and just was fascinated by the consistency of them. But what also jumped out was just how original all the shirts were. I love the examples that you gave from an outsider perspective. I think one of the shirts that's so cool in terms of how it was designed was, I think it's from the Vietnamese chapter. It's uh, Mm. 2016. You've got this beautiful dragon, beautifully screen printed on this nice natural t-shirt. I think that was day 874. So It's a shout out to our friends in Vietnam if they happen to be listening. (laughs) (laughs) I love that shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It was super cool. So Timmy, what would you do differently if you were starting this campaign all over again? 
Great question. There's not much I would change. It's just been a great joy wearing the shirts every day. People ask me, oh, does it feel like a chore wearing the shirts every day? No, it doesn't. It feels like I'm wearing a hug every day, actually. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And actually, when this campaign ends, I will probably continue wearing the shirts every day. I mean, it just brings me the genuine joy, right? Anything differently, it would have been if for every shirt that I received as a gift, if I just sort of, you know, recorded and jotted it down, that way I could keep that in memory. That's helpful because now I have, you know, maybe dozens upon dozens of shirts that were gifts and hard to keep track of who's are from who. So that's sort of like personally what I would do differently from a social media side. What would I do differently? Maybe there could have been ways for me to collaborate more with other people who are also doing crazy marketing cause related campaigns that, you know, we might do a collaborative post on, but it's really hard to want to do anything differently. Well, and from my perspective, I think it's fascinating to see how it is that you've been able to marry the concept of celebrating a brand with the fuel and distribution of social media. Mm-hmm. And then by using the humble t-shirt, and as Danny had alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, the t-shirt is such a dominant product in the promotional products industry. But I think many of us in the promo space take it for granted. When you're involved in the day-to-day of a promotional products business, you often look at t-shirts as something that's either out of stock or there's a dialot problem, or you're able to get it for three cents less from another wholesaler compared to another one, or you've got a client who's grinding you on the price, or you're having difficulty getting it screen printed or embroidered or whatever with your decorator, that oftentimes many of us in the industry don't actually put our heads up and pay attention to people like you that are using our product and our medium to literally make the world a better place. And from your standpoint, you're talking about the way it's improved your life with all the reconnections that it's made on you. So I know as someone who's been in the industry for some time, I salute you and I really appreciate the validation that you and your campaign and your friends and colleagues and the charity has provided to what it is that I do in my career. So maybe on behalf of the industry, I thank you. And I would say that it would be hard to really know what to do different. I think that this doesn't sound like it'll be your your last campaign. And I'm sure that the next time you do it, you'll just think of new ways to be creative and innovative. So kudos to you. Thank you. Timmy, let's talk a little bit about what I think is there's an evolution of social media influencers, you know, marketing through influencers. And also, I think, trying to decipher what is good influence versus bad influence. I think we're on the good side of the coin here, but also how influencers are really marketing products and services in the marketplace, mainly in retail. I think there's an opportunity in the B2B side to some extent. But I think about influencers, I think we gravitate towards like Kim Kardashian and I don't know, Travis Scott is doing some really cool stuff. I know Mark loves Justin Bieber. He's pretty big into Justin Bieber. So, oh yeah. Like we're neighbors. So of course, yeah, you guys are tight. Big follower. You've got all this autograph stuff. I think you've got a tattoo that says Bieber on your, yeah. on your ankle. Well, something. I used to babysit him when he was growing up, of course. So <laughs> of course, okay. I'm kidding for all the people who think I'm serious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but Timmy, you may not fancy yourself 
an influencer, or you may not have started in that vein, but I would contend that you are the most powerful of influencers because you're born out of cause. Hmm. You're born out of passion, not money. You're doing it for different reasons. And I think there's something there. I'm not sure what it is, but I hope you see yourself as an influencer now that you've just about finished the campaign. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about the lessons you learned in marketing and being an influencer and how businesses can really learn from this campaign strategy that you created. Mm, Thank you, Danny, for the high praise there. It's all been wonderful lessons, really, about the nature of humanity and what resonates with, with people. And what I found is really, at the end of the day, the only thing people really care about is, is passion. Danny, you mentioned marketing companies are thinking, oh, what's the next you know, big stunt that we can do for our brand? But my approach has never been, oh, let me do something big to attract attention for the sake of that. Rather, my approach has been, let me just do something that I love deeply. We all know that the marketing campaigns that succeed are the ones that are bold and creative. Bold as in very intense, creative, you know, as in you've never seen it done before, right? And, you know, if all your goal is at the end of the day is to, you know, increase metrics, to do a stunt to increase metrics, then you won't necessarily have the motivation to do the high risk things that aren't obvious that they will succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that's creative, you're doing for the first time. And so it's never going to be obvious that it's going to succeed. So, from my view, what will succeed are the things that have never been done before and are very intense. So that's high cost with little expectation of success. And so if your only goal is metrics, you will never find the justification to go in that area. But if your goal is to just do something that you love, then you'll expend great cost and great energy to do whatever idea that comes to mind without necessary regard of whether it's obvious whether it will succeed or not. Like back when I first started this campaign, I figured no one's going to send me shirts. I'm just going to have these nine shirts rotate through every two weeks. And we'll just see how many likes I can get, you know, how much attention. And it is then that people see, oh, this is someone doing something he loves that has never been done before. And I'm then blessed with people sending me shirts from all over the world. I now have more than 100 now, actually. And I have followers from dozens of countries all around the world, and my posts are getting liked and shared. So if it starts from the heart, then automatically, in my view, everything will fall into place because the only thing people care about to begin with is that heart and that passion. There are a lot of takeaways in what you just said, but one thing that resonates for me is do things that have never been done before. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the nonprofit sector, I think about how many freaking bake sales and golf tournaments Mm. with white old dudes at the country club, all of the road races, the boring road races that everybody does. And then I look at some of the things that we talk about in the Operation Smile Youth Groups and some of the creativity there, and even some of the things like the color runs and the mud runs. And maybe instead of a golf tournament, we should be playing putt-putt golf with the kids that we're serving and create some mentorship opportunities and have some real fun with with putt-putt instead of, you know, just the white old rich guys at the country club raising money for a cause. And so how do you do things that are unique that have never been done before is a really great takeaway 
not just for anybody who's trying to do fundraising and social activism, but in marketing. That's a really great takeaway. So thanks. Danny, I want to ask you a question if that's okay. Sure. You have no choice. I'm just going to ask it anyhow. <laughs> I think it's important to mention, Danny, that BrandFuel has been behind the online company store for Operation Smile. And you have many online stores and you do many of them for other charities. What are some of the lessons that you can share with other distributors that are looking to help nonprofits with merchandise in a way where it's genuinely win-win, where the distributor is able to produce a great store, but then it's also really successful for the nonprofit in terms of allowing them to raise money and awareness and hopefully create the next generation of Timmy Jew out there? That's an interesting question. I'm proud of the work we're doing with Operation Smile. It's a storefront that has been built to help them raise more money so they can perform more surgeries on these children that are in need to change their lives and impact them. So if you think about, you know, a pair of socks that happen to be in the store, they could just say Operation Smile. We've taken it to another level. And so we talk about designing beyond the logo. And so just putting the Operation Smile logo on there, we created the limited edition Doc Socks, which are autographed by Bill McGee, who, you know, Timmy and I just love and adore and we're fanboys for. He's the co-founder of Operation Smile. And he wears these socks. He loves these crazy colored socks. And all of a sudden, there's a story around the sock. It's not just the logo, but his autograph socks. He's done a little video clip for us. So we've got this founder of this international nonprofit that's involved in the merchandising, telling the story of, you know, you're not only going to raise some money here and help these kids, but you're going to be wearing a product that is facing the world in some way. And maybe, you know, to Timmy's point earlier, it triggers a conversation. It's a pink sock, by the way, that hopefully men are not afraid to wear pink. But if they do, people might notice. And to Timmy's point about what he's doing, get noticed. Do things that are not you know, normal. Don't wear your boring black or white socks. Wear your doc socks that stand out. So I think that's one takeaway. And I think when we look at you know, what's happening in the world of retail with Tesla and their really cool line of clothes and, mm. and the Kentucky Fried Chicken Crocs, which is hilarious, and McDonald's chicken nugget pillows. And my favorite is the Stouffer's mac and cheese sweatsuit. You know, I think we should be taking a page from that B2C playbook, be looking at that in the B2B environment. Brands should be having fun with their merchandise and their branding and not just doing logo slapping, but things that people find curious and interesting and colorful and design savvy and quality and sustainable. And so these storefronts that we're building in the B2B world, for the most part, are kind of like your traditional storefronts. But if we can convince marketers and now human resource groups that are really trying to connect with employees that are remote, we can convince them to have some fun with their brands through merchandise mm. and align that with, in the vein of this conversation, you know, corporate social responsibility, strong messaging around giving back during a time when people and nonprofits are in need. I think those are a couple of good takeaways. But I'm proud of my affiliation with Operation Smile. A little uncomfortable about the mixing of marketing to Operation Smile, but knowing that we give back and you know that fills my soul and makes me feel like I could sleep well at night and that we've delivered a mechanism for them to you know deliver merchandise 24-7 throughout the globe to people who want to support them in a long-lasting, impactful way on something that they choose to wear or use. I'm super proud of that. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And 
listen, from my perspective, I don't think there's anything to be sheepish about. I think that that's why I wanted to ask the question, not only to share the experience with our fellow peers in the promotional products industry, but that's the perfect outcome, I think, for our industry when you've got this perfect alignment between the distributor, between the end client, and of course, their end-to-end client, where everyone is able to win. So I think it's a wonderful example, and I'm really glad that we were able to share that. Timmy, we want to give you the floor as we end the podcast. Is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't covered that would be of interest to our community? The floor is yours, sir. Yes, well, I am just, again, just very humbled to be here with Danny and Mark and to be able to sort of share some of my experiences. And really, at the end of the day, everything that I have learned has just taught me about how good humanity is, the wonderful world that we live in. And then on the marketing perspective, there's that opportunity to then use that human nature to tell great stories and to share a powerful message that is really going to resonate. And that is why I think this campaign has been successful. I did something that I truly and deeply loved. And because I you know, didn't do it for success, but for love, that gave me the freedom to be as creative as I wanted to be. And that is how I landed on the t-shirt idea. And that it really took off is just, again, a testament that people love the heart and love the story. And so it's just a great honor to have been a part of that journey. Let me add something. You are loved by so many. Mm. I see it when you're speaking on Zooms or in person at these events, talking to students who are following sort of generationally. And I feel like I'm the early guy who started this club and then Robert Fivesh, my business partner, his daughter is now in a club at the school we went to when we were younger. So I feel like this ripple effect is happening. And I watch you on stage and telling your story. And I see people just smiling and nodding. And you can just feel the love. That organization, you may love it, but it loves you just as much back. That just means the world to hear, Danny, really. I'm, I'm in tears right now. You can't see it. It's a podcast, but I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> Well, and Timmy, from my perspective, I just want to thank you on behalf of the entire Promo Kitchen community, the industry, the people that listen to this, and not only have you inspired with this great story of evangelizing for a charity, but you've also, I think, helped us as professionals realize that the medium that we sell each and every day, time and time again, really does have a tremendous amount of meaning. And really the most successful among us in this industry are the ones who really know that and can communicate those stories to their clients, whether they're nonprofit or for-profit. And this story that you've been able to share with us is such great validation for what it is that we do in this industry. And I want to thank you for that because it's inspiring. So thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm touched. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.